I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. Standoff. Oh yeah. Like we didn't know who was gonna speak first. So we're just staring at each other like who has something to say. Well, I know you have something to say because I'm really quite excited to hear about uh circus school. <laughs> circus school. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you. So there's like stories upon stories here. So <clears throat> My daughter, Rosalie, who listeners will know was 10 years old, but she's like going on 16. We've had trouble like figuring out how to get what she loves to do. Like she hasn't found a physical activity that she loves. She's kind of tolerates karate and she does that twice a week. And she's, she's an excellent musician. She's well above her years at piano, but she doesn't love it, love it. You know, um, that and that's not a sport. That's a different category. Um, we tried like CrossFit and soccer and swimming. You know, like we've tried lots of different things. Um, and so she, I told her, I'm like, you know, if there's ever something you want to do, just like come and tell me because I will try to make that happen. And she came out of her room and she said, Mommy, <laughs> I want to do pole dancing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How did she figure that one out? What was she doing online? <laughs> I was I was wondering the same myself. Um, so I asked her, and she had these videos of kids doing like acrobatic things with a pole. Okay, that's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, I see, you know. And I had I have seen it. Um, I've seen it a little bit on TikTok. I, an episode can't go by without me mentioning TikTok. So here we go. So like a lot of like you know like ga- like kids grabbing a kid by kids I mean teenagers grabbing like a lamp post and holding their whole body like sideways mm. on a pole like just just like that that's uh core strength of being able to like hold yourself around moving around a pole so this is like this is what I gather around pulled it's an it's a form of acrobatics yeah it's kind of like right? so uh, an extension of parkour okay. yeah yeah there was yes yes there was some of that um so I started googling around um acrobatics and gymnastics um and and I found a circus school in in uh here in Victoria and I they don't do her pole thing but I but they do like circus things like with the you know with the ribbons um with the big ring like everything anything hanging from the ceiling the trapeze you know um the the big silk um stuff like that so I said to her well I can't find I can't find pole dancing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I could, but they only had adult yeah. classes, to be clear. Um, but I did find this. Are you interested in this? And she said yes. So um, I called the school, and all their classes are filled. So I set up a private list for her and I to go down and do circus school. Um, so we did all the things. It was, like, easier and harder than it looks all at once, you know. Um, I, I loved it. It was challenging. I not as strong as I think I am. Um, but the thing that I wasn't expecting was that like, was that it, it actually hurts. So like whether you, you, you have, your, you're swinging on a thing on all of the, there's like four different activities and all of them you're swinging. And so you're hanging. So like it, if like sitting on a trapeze hurt my butt. Oh. Like having my body weight on my glutes for a long period of time, like hurt. And having like standing with my foot in that silk for like on one foot <laughs> and wrapping the silk around and doing all these forward and backwards motions or whatever, like it actually like the sense, like whatever the sensory nerves are around, like that stuff. And, and also I think an added factor for me is like there was stuff in the big, there's like a big hoop. It's like a big metal hoop covered in like bar tape almost like <laughs> to use a cycling <laughs> analogy. Like, so it's like you're essentially holding on to a big metal hoop. And in one of the poses, she wanted me to, like, lean forward. So, like, literally my whole body weight was, uh, like, across the front of one of my quads Ooh. on this metal hoop. And I was like, she's like, this is an easy one. You, you guys will be able to do it. And I was like, there is no way. Like, there's no way I'm pressing. Like, as I was turning over, it was like, ow, ow, ow. 
and I came out like bruised like on my back and on my like and this is not what I expected so I expected like my lack of flexibility to be an issue which it was um I expected the strength piece to be hard like just the core strength and body weight strength um but yeah I didn't expect that that sensory piece of like having your body weight just like on one pinpoint on your body um so it was hard it was harder than it looked that's so interesting I'm going to watch this stuff differently now mm-hmm. knowing that like the the ribbon people probably have calloused up feet from just <laughs> right. that <laughs> They probably get, she, did, she did say it gets easier. Like, so like, I guess your like sensory system must like, after a while it realizes, oh, hey, there's no danger here. And it sort of de-escalates like the pain sensors. Um, so she's like, it gets easier. You get used to it. But I was like, there's no way, like, there's no way I can go and do squats. Like I probably do squats two or three times a week and then go there and like <clears throat> have all my body weight on my quad. <laughs> like, no chance. Wow. That's so interesting. Now, most importantly, did Rosalie have fun? Yeah, she loved it. She was so funny because she, like, she wasn't really that good at following instructions and doing the moves, but she was just swinging all around on this thing, like, doing every witch thing that she wanted. And, like, afterwards, she loved it. So, Is we're this something her- she would do again? Yeah, we're sending her to um, a March break camp. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, like, sp- spring break camp. So That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, so it was a success. Uh, there's some funny photography that I put on my Instagram and Facebook, but uh, yeah, Man, what an adventure! I mean, you—I'm sure you never thought you'd be doing circus camp. Oh, in gym class, so uh, we had one circus unit, but it was more like juggling and things like that. Right. But it was really fun. It was probably my favorite part of eighth grade gym class. Yeah, yeah, I would do this again. I especially like the silk. Um, and like the silk's the one where you it's do you know what I mean by the silk it's like Mm -hmm. a broad piece of fabric and it's all attached versus the ribbons that are two pieces and a bit harder so like in the silk at least you can like sit in it (laughs) to rest and then move around (laughs) or stand on it my gym class was not that fancy Um. (laughs) but I liked being like you know being like going upside down like any upside down move I'm like Mm. I'm in for it's basically like an adult playground. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. It was fun. Yeah. Okay, coming up on the show, we're going to talk about our new feisty podcast, um, The Definition of Crazy, a yay for strength training, is talking about breasts inappropriate, and what we're looking forward to. Hey, feisty folks. Jamila here, the feisty team community innovator. In June of 2020, we launched the Feisty Team to help you all stay feisty no matter what the year threw your way. Over the last six months, we've come together as a team to try and make the world a feistier place and connect with other like-minded friends in triathlon and endurance sports. We meet every month and bring in experts that can help us on the path to building feistiness in ourselves and others and create meaningful change in our sport and community. The monthly subscription is only $22 and you'll get monthly feisty huddles and webinars with expert guests, big sponsor discounts, swag and monthly prizes, challenges to stay motivated, a community of feisty like-minded friends. Plus, we are adding new initiatives all the time, like our new book club and virtual workouts. Go to feistyteam.com to join us and become a part of the feistiest team in endurance sports so we can crush 2021 together. That is feistyteam.com. All right, so so I saw, was it last week, uh, Vanessa's new podcast was released. Is that correct? Yeah, it was actually, um, we're recording on Tuesday. So it was Monday evening, yesterday, February 1st. Oh, right. Yeah, we had a live event for Vanessa Forster's um, podcast release. So anyone who listens to the Iron Women podcast will know that Vanessa did, I think she did 11 episodes. They're like 15-minute chunks of like mental performance tips. Um, and if you listen to Vanessa, Vanessa's just full of like one-liner wisdom pieces, you know, like she'll say something. I'm like, yeah, I just like want to write everything down that she says. Um, so she did a, a workshop with an athlete she's been working with where they did a bit of a Q&A about the things they've been working on and learning. 
Um, and we launched a new podcast on its own podcast stream. So instead of it being on the RN Women podcast stream, um, you can you subscribe to it's called Mental Endurance. Um, and it's by Live Feisty Media, obviously. Um, and you can subscribe to it on the podcast app. And uh, yeah, she does she does a really great job. So she is a mental endurance coach. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I think okay. yes. What do, what does that mean? <laughs> great question. Um, I think it's I think it's um like it's a variation on life coaching. Okay. Right. So I think she's like applied some life coaching training to um, her experience with sport, um, mm-hmm. and I think I think the most important part is that she's actually really good at what she does because life coaching mm-hmm. is not something I would buy all into just with anyone with any random person who called themselves a life coach. Um, so, but with Vanessa, I feel like she really backs up what she um, preaches, and she's also I really like working with her. Like she's clearly. Um, a very confident individual. She says what she means. She is like, she's feisty. Um, she's great to work with. Uh, so yeah. And like I say, like the proof is in the pudding. Like when I listen to her talk, I always sort of take something away or feel like she's refined something that was already bagging around in my brain, but she said it with such great language. Uh, yeah, she she seems pretty awesome. So the the goal is to basically help uh listeners acquire skills with their endurance sport is yeah, that yeah with i i think it's more okay. like the it's mental side that. of of um of performance right okay so that that extends beyond sport I think it would. Yeah, I, absolutely okay. all of her advice would extend beyond sport. She just happens to be a triathlete, so there's often a lot of triathlon references or beginning of the swim scared type references, <laughs> you know. Um, but anything she says can be applied to – you just have to have a, a, a small imagination to apply it to the rest of life. Yeah. It's also like it's that 15-minute format too. So like the podcast is kind of just her. Like she's kind of taken a concept and – talks about it for 15 minutes so it's a short format podcast which is kind of new for us Uh, but we hear we get a lot of good feedback about it yeah Yeah. other other than days where both of us are really tired now we just don't want to talk and then we're just by default a short format we're typically typically a long format talk about things way more than we should podcast it's like the opposite of us there are those days And she she also prepares meticulously and has like a script and like knows what she's going to talk about. Whereas we just like randomly throw a few words on a page and then talk about things endlessly. So it's it is literally the opposite of our podcast. <laughs> Joanne Murphy would be very proud of it. <laughs> she would. <laughs> our our last podcast, uh, our guest Joanne Murphy talked about preparation, and Sarah and I were both just kind of scratching our heads <laughs> about that. Who, who does that? <laughs> you don't just wing it. <laughs> I was thinking about it a couple days ago because of like, you know, our podcast and I don't like I don't do any a lot of the things that I try to do with our other podcasts, you know, like we don't we do have an Instagram page that is shockingly growing, um, but we don't like I don't like actively try to make it bigger. We don't do like we don't do any of the things like we just do what we want to do. <laughs> which is kind of yeah. like the beauty of it, but like also against some of my own best advice for podcast growth. Yeah. <laughs> so it right. is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, we had a couple of voicemails this week. I'm excited about. I'm really pumped about these. Voicemails. After, after a dry spell that we both begrudged okay. openly. It happens. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, so first we have, Oh, the Ninja voicemailer. Let's hear from him. Hey, Sarah and Sarah, it's the Ninja Voicemailer. Um, I wanted to call in and say uh, that uh, podcasts have been fantastic and to answer the questions that you asked. Uh, so the one is, how has sport changed, uh, changed me, changed you know my outlook? And probably not the answer you're looking for, but um, mine is that my definition of crazy has changed. So when, when I was I was like a couch potato for about 20 years, um, and then anybody who went outside and did any exercise was crazy. And then I became a triathlete, which is a whole other story. But, you know, then it was, you know, I did some sprints. So, so it was people that did halves were crazy. And then I did a half. And people that did fulls were crazy. And then I 
try to fall and then it was people that did ultras were crazy but i have a new standard of crazy now which is from the podcast that i just listened to which is people that swim in five degree water um they're crazy um so that's how sport is that's how sport has changed me and uh the other thing you asked was how i rock um i'm not gonna say how i rock i'm gonna say how you guys rock um so sarah true you rock because you are so tremendously authentic um and and i've heard that word a lot it is so absolutely applicable to you. Um, every time I hear you or see you, you're so open um, about any subject, and it, it's just fantastic. And Sarah Gross, you rock because starting a media empire is just awesome. I listened to Vanessa Forrester's podcast. That was fantastic. But as I was listening to it, I thought, wow, you know what? Sarah Gross made this happen, um, and just really impressive. So you rock because of that. Anyway, have a great week. Okay, so Sarah, you're now our podcast mental health professional, um, and, and I wanted to ask you: uh, Are we are we are we allowed to use the word crazy in this context? Uh, probably not, but we know what he means. <laughs> okay, we know what he means, but yeah, generally we try to avoid that. Um, but I think it's so interesting because it this is something probably most of us can relate to, where the more we get wrapped up into this endurance stuff or, or whatever thing you're passionate about, you realize that uh, your understanding of what is, you know, quote unquote normal, uh, it, it just keeps on getting pushed out. So for example, I just, when, like, when I was a short course racer, there's no way I'm going to do Ironman. That's too far. Who would want to race that long? That just sounds awful. And of course, you know, now I've done Ironman and it doesn't seem that bad. Uh, I'm not looking at Ultraman or anything, but uh, yeah, you're, the more you get into things, you realize that it's actually more achievable than you thought. So I'm going to flip it and say, it's not that we're all crazy. It's just we realize we're capable of more than we thought. Well, yeah, and you moved like... You moved where you are. It's not that the task became the task become crazier. It's that like we become more trained. Like when people respond to you know the fact that I've done quite a lot of Ironmans as like I'm crazy or whatever. Like you, it's like I feel like saying to them, you do realize that I spent a lot of time training and preparing for, for those Ironmans. Like it's not just like I'm off the couch and then doing an Ironman, which is crazy and would be extremely painful and hard. <laughs> And a very stupid it's, idea. It, it's ill-advised. We'll put it's, it that way. <laughs> it's, it's right. Sorry, I'm not supposed to say crazy. I'm going against my own advice. It, it is ill-advised. Well Pro but, recommendation. Like, do not do an Iron Man off the couch. Not no. a good idea. We're so, we're so full of great advice here. Oh, dear, we were riding. Um, but, it, like, the reason it's less, it becomes less and less quote-unquote crazy is because you do the work to prepare for it and so on the day it's not so crazy like you're there you're ready you're doing it yeah but uh, you know to to ninja voice Miller's point i my gut response when i heard joanne talking about the kind of water she was swimming in i said no way now in a million years but then it's the same sort of thing she was talking about she slowly built herself up to that yeah so it is, you know, you gradually increase your tolerance yeah. and your, your, your acclimation. And, you know, now she can swim in that sort of temperature. I just, I feel like I'd be cold all day. I, I you know, know, I'm with you. I don't see the appeal. Yeah. Personally, a part of me sees the appeal. It's just not for me. Yeah. I can see the appeal for somebody else. <laughs> you know what's interesting? It's, it's okay, it, this is what it's making me think of is that like is some discomfort more suited to some people than others? Like oh, so yeah, for sure. the discomfort of an endurance race is I guess you could argue it's suited to you and I, right? But the discomfort of being in the cold is something that I'm like, "Oh hell's no." Like I don't want I don't want to come near that. Um so is it possible that like certain discomforts feel more painful to some people than others? Oh, like pain is one of those weird relative things, right? Like, well, it's it's what what pain is enjoyable to you. Yes. Oh, good I mean, point. 
Yeah. Like some people could go to circus school and not find it painful at all. <laughs> or they, they would enjoy those sensations of right. their foot burning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so are we like masochistic that we like, like did we like the sensations of like Iron Man pain? Well, we, we find, we find the process gratifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not even that necessarily we're we're enjoying this discomfort as much as we're enjoying what it means. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great point. Is like the why matters. So if you're gonna put yourself oh, yeah. through discomfort, like you better know the end goal and why. So like what I'm thinking back to our conversation with Joanne, she clearly loved that kind of like. I'm going to call it endorphin rush, but it might endorphins might not be the right <laughs> rush, but like that rush that comes afterwards of like the immersion in cold water. She clearly enjoyed that in a way that I find difficult to understand from my mm. limited cold water experience. Yeah. Cause she, she talked about it as a reset point mm-hmm. for her body, mm-hmm. but then also it gave her, you know, some, some structure to, uh, period of time where a lot of us don't feel like we have a lot of structure Mm. and it was a challenge it was she she has you know taps into a sense of community for her Mm -hmm. so i i think a lot of our our motivating factors are all similar there's overlap it's just how appealing is it to jump into super cold water (laughs) i think i think i might replace that with something else but yeah, the why, like you said, that's that's what gets her doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, interesting. I don't know, Ninja Voicemailer. I think I think it might be time to uh, just go for a plunge. I think I think you're in New York. You know, there are some rivers there. A little East River plunge. <laughs> Do you remember that terrible? Try it out, <laughs> Iron Man, New York, where we had to swim and like. They like like they accidentally dumped sewage into the river. Like, do you remember this? Like, no. <laughs> so like, yeah, I remember Mary Beth Ellis t- tweeting like, "We're literally up shit creek without a paddle." <laughs> yeah. Wait, they dumped sewage in? Yeah, so I guess it's like quite normal that they like had, but there was like some kind of sewage dump into the river where we were swimming like two days before or something. And so they almost had to cancel the swim part of the race. And I think they did some kind of like chemical thing that they do to dirty waters to make it. So- yeah. And then we but all. But it's a river. I know. Oh. Yeah. So Did anybody get sick? Not that I know of. I think that was, that was just a terrible ill-advised race that like, like we had to get up. I remember being at a, on a ferry at three o'clock in the morning. We had to take two ferries to get to the start line. Ooh. Yeah. And then like, yeah. Yeah. And then like spectators couldn't figure out, like it was too complicated. So you like, you know, if you went, like you had to take ferries to get to the place to watch, places to watch and stuff. And it was very complicated in the the bike course was actually in New Jersey and like it, it was just it was just like not yeah it, it was ill-advised so the, there's there's a reason why there is no buyer Iron Man New York City is what you're yeah saying. there's a reason why it only happened once okay. <laughs> and I don't see any strong you know pull to bring it back <laughs> no. based on what you're saying I think finding a course in New York City was the hardest. And then finding a, an affordable. Like, it was, like, something like the entry price was, tw- like, something like 1200 U.S. dollars or something. Mm. Like, it just was yeah. not. Yeah, it was not. Um, anyway, we have a second voicemail. Yay. Hey, Sarah and Sarah. First of all, I just want to say how sorry I am for dropping the ball and not calling you guys last week. I felt awful when I heard your podcast. So I just wanted to start this voicemail with I rock because and I rock because I am incredibly nervous to be calling in right now. I've actually worked on fixing my lisp for a couple years now and both of you guys have the dreaded letter in your name but here I am calling anyways and conquering that fear because I love you guys. Anyways I just wanted to touch on one of the topics from last week and it's things that you wish you had known. And I swear I sound like a broken record with my friends. I talk about this all the time. 
but I wish I had known and been taught how to do strength training when I was younger. It actually wasn't until my doctor talked to me and told me how important it is for women to be lifting weights and keeping up with their strength training, you know, especially when they're young, that I actually started taking it seriously and learning how to do it properly. Like properly is the key term there. And I think about back in sixth grade when my gym class split up and had a weightlifting unit and something else. I don't remember what it was. And so all the boys went into the uh, weight room and all of the girls chose to not do that. And I went with all the girls, you know, all of my friends. But I really wish that they had encouraged more of the girls to go in the weight room. Honestly, I wish they had not given us the choice. You know, I think about could they have made a beginner's weight class? Could they have made a girls only weight class and just made it just a very um, inclusive and non-scary environment? Um, I think that's something that really would have helped my development as an athlete, my development as a woman. Um, And I really wish that Strength training is something that could be taught to women, that should be taught to women, the way that it's taught to boys from a young age. Um, And that's what I wish I knew. Uh, Anyways, thank you guys for being around. You guys keep me cracking up all the time. And uh, keep it up. (laughs) Oh, I absolutely love this voicemail for so many reasons. We love our listeners, too. Yeah, thank you, Megan. It goes goes both ways. Mm Um, yeah, what, where do we want to start with this? I was, well, the first thought I had when I was listening to what Megan was saying about the choice of like weight training in high school was that our choice, I don't think we had a choice that the boys did weight, went to the lift, like did lifting in the weights room and we did archery, which like, if we had had a choice, I don't, I don't think, I think I might've still chosen archery. Yeah. That's so much cooler. Like Robin Hood. It is a lot cooler, and I, I would bet that the boys were pretty jealous. Yeah. And then why can't we all do archery and weight training? Like, I agree. Why are those well, things gendered in the first place? I do want to rewind to the fact that she was saying in sixth grade. So my understanding is you don't really want to be doing heavy weights until you've gone through puberty, right? I didn't catch that. It was sixth grade that she said? Yeah. Whoa. That seems really early for weight training. Yeah. But I, I do agree, most of us learn way late mm-hmm. the benefits of lifting heavy weights. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know for me, uh, I didn't really learn how to lift heavy Oh, well, I'm going to bring in another lift feisty person here. So in 2015, mm-hmm. I, was, I met Haley Chura, and she was absolutely gobsmacked that I didn't do heavy weights in the gym. And like that kind of triggered something in me (laughs) where I realized that none of my coaches really wanted to be doing heavy weights. You know, we did a little bit of really light gym work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am so glad that I've been doing it since because, you know, like we could go on and on about the benefits of it, but it's, it's made me, you know, a healthier athlete. Uh, It's helped with, you know, body composition. They're just, all these different things, the, the hormonal benefits, like the, you go on and on. Um, so I, I don't know that it's necessarily a gendered thing because I did talk to, I'm just gonna, I'm just rolling right yeah, now. Go, so yeah, we, I, am, I approve. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> because you need my approval. <laughs> you don't, by the way, carry on. <laughs> well, I just, I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. Uh, but I asked, I asked um, Ben and his training partner about when they, they're both professional runners. I asked them when they learned about doing, uh, you know, heavy weights, gym, gym work. And it wasn't until Ben was a, a collegiate uh, Nordic skier and his training partner's still kind of learning about it. Um, and he's, you know, he's 24 right now, yeah. but went to, you know, division one, uh, cross country and track program did not lift there. So I, I do think there's a, a component of in endurance sport. There's that misconception that you're going to get big and bulky and it's not good, um, to do heavy weights. And we definitely need to blow that up because it's just, it's just simply not true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I definitely, I wish I had learned to lift. Like, I can't believe that, like, as a 40-something retired professional athlete, I learned to do Olympic lifting for the first time. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I didn't know how to do um, a clean and jerk. I didn't know how to do a snatch. And then, and now I take, like, Rosalie to Kids CrossFit, and she's learning how to do all of these things and doing overhead squats, and and I just, and, and she doesn't love it. Like, she's trying to get out of it every week. And uh, I'm kind of like, please stay. Like, I wish that I had learned those movements. Like, there's nothing more full body than, like, learning how to do Olympic lifting properly. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah. So that is definitely, it's it's almost like, I, it's a regret, but without being a regret. Like, nobody knew better, you know? Right. And right. I had good coaches. Um, and I think it's very individual, too. Like, what seems really obvious to me now you know, like I can't believe I didn't see 10 years ago when I was training and racing. Like there are some athletes who need that kind of heavy lifting a lot more than others. Mm. Right. Um, and I think women need it a lot more than we used to see, but there's also like, there's a lot of women I used to compete against who, uh, were like naturally a lot stronger than I was. Right. And so like, maybe they didn't need that as much as me, or maybe they needed a different kind of strength training. Right. Where like, no, my my strength has always been my strength. Um, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I've benefited in different ways, like range of motion. Like you said, it's the best core work you can do. Just it helps you develop some explosive power. Yeah. Um, it really helps recruit you know those fast twitch um, muscle fibers that we don't really tap into that often mm-hmm. <laughs> doing triathlon. True. So yeah. I think it yeah. might just be like a case by case thing rather than like a, some mm. people don't need it and some people do like that. It might be a, um, some people need a different program. Right. And it seems like it just seems so obvious. <laughs> like if I had done more squats, I would have been a better cyclist. Like, mm. duh. But there it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it is it is hard, especially as triathletes, because we're already balancing yeah. three other sports. And if if you are, you know, if you're doing that on top of job and family and all of your other obligations, and all of a sudden you're saying, "Wait a second! Now twice a week I'm supposed to go to the gym and lift heavy weights, and that makes my legs sore." And that makes me miserable for my track workout the next day. How can I possibly do all this? Like, I, I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. You know, totally. it's, we only have so much time and energy. Um, but it's more just the, our cultural understanding of the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Like, it is shifting. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can start thinking it. It's not a men's or women's thing. It's not a you know, power sports versus endurance sport thing. And it's just, it's good all around if you have, you know, the time and the energy and the ability. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a difference between, you know, um, you know, like the me at 24 who had very little endurance base, um, needing to go out for six hour bike rides and, and building those, like that capillary density straight up, like endurance training needed to like me at 36 with, you know, 12 years of endurance training under my belt and what I needed at that point would have looked really different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but it, it is, it is such an interesting, interesting thing that we're, we're just starting to get over the, the hump with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I even think about like the little bit of weightlifting that I learned, uh, you know, in high school and college was mostly like, uh, dumbbell flies, you know, seated rows. And these are not bad things. Um, but it, it wasn't really helpful for full body workout. Yeah. You know, the, the tricep extension with the bar, you know, yeah, <laughs> like all the different Nautilus machines. I did those things. Yeah. 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 I did all of those yeah. things throughout like my whole career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly when really like you do some squats you do some lunges you do some uh you know some deadlifts like and you you tick a lot of the boxes mm-hmm. with a few exercises totally um what was I thinking of oh yeah I remember one time when I was um training in Scotland with Darren's group 
And he invited the, I think he was one of the strength coaches for Scottish rugby, um, came and taught us. That's the only time I've ever had any Olympic lifting training until I started CrossFit. Um, and I remember I loved it. Like, and I just don't know why, like that didn't, it didn't. And of course, like <laughs> true Darren fashion, it didn't like, it didn't translate into anything. Like it didn't become part of our programs or anything like that. We just did this like one Olympic lifting session. I remember learning how to do a clean at least. I don't think we did snatches. Um, that was that. <laughs> so that's so funny. So it's like, time. I mean, he, he definitely went through his phases. Like one year, one year he was really big into yoga. With us. <laughs> I didn't have the yoga year. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> it's, it's funny that we had probably like one of the best strength coaches in the country come in to teach us how to do something that we never did again <laughs> like, <laughs> like what is happening there <laughs> i mean it was it it was a half it was a half effort. yeah it was definitely yeah there was something missing <laughs> not a lot of follow-through <laughs> i also remember like having you know like all the guys like all these like skinny dudes like on the team and we did we were doing pull-ups right where we were trying we're trying to do pull-ups and they like a lot of them came from swimming backgrounds so they had like super massive like wingspan and really mm. struggled to like pull up over the bar whereas like me like Katrina Morrison do you remember her we were like in a dead yeah. heat for like pull-ups like <laughs> like we were just like if one That's of us awesome. did more the other one and the guys were all like out like they could like barely do three and we were like going for it so fun the rugby coach must have just yeah. been like, what, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> and all of these like 17 year old Scottish kids who can barely do a single pull up. Like maybe you don't need the best coach and uh, the best, best strength coach in Scotland. <laughs> I love that. Anyway. Okay. Well, we're off on a random tangent. Um, is talking about breasts inappropriate? Oh yeah. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about sports bras and the word nipple came up a bunch and we got a response from somebody who uh, was listening to the podcast in the car with his son and basically his son was like, hey dad, this is inappropriate. Um, and it, you know, I... I think this is this is really interesting to me because it it highlighted to me how cultural um, you know how culture shapes how we talk and understand human body because I think about like you know if I were in France for example sometimes there are things that make me feel like ooh oh my right. <laughs> a racy comment (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sure like this this listener they're like oh my goodness i can't believe they just talked about nipples you know for 10 minutes straight (laughs) (laughs) and like and and i think i think it is it is really interesting because kids if you've been around little kids they have no shame about their bodies or other people's bodies it's something that's learned it's not something that's innate and we just, ha- I think we do have to remember that what we learn is all different from, you know, person to person, family to family, country to country, uh, whatever your culture is. Like, I would love to live in this idealized world where I can talk about, you know, my feet in the same way as any other mm-hmm. part of my anatomy, um, just as like a very functional thing. Uh, but I get that, like, sometimes my candor um my openness might not be your authenticity um, yeah I think no I think that you're right and I actually th- I actually think and like in some kind of small micro way that like us coming on a weekly podcast and saying the word nipples repeatedly without any sexual context is um is helping you know um, mm. and helping the change that you just said you wanted to see, or I guess you didn't frame it that way, but the, the idealized world that you wanted to live in, like that's, um, it's the same for me. Like I understand that like nipples can be sexual, but the fact that it's sometimes like always and ever a sexual <laughs> reference when we're talking about nipples mm. just doesn't make sense. Cause like 
we need to talk about shit. You know, this is how we feed our babies, <laughs> amongst other things. Um, so I, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think we're helping Sarah. Ma- mammals, mammals have nipples. But also, you know, we were talking about something within the context of something that is a genuine issue yeah. for a lot of female athletes mm-hmm. and it can actually keep a lot of female athletes from participating, which is being very uncomfortable. Yeah. If we can't talk about it, then we're, we're doing, we're doing people, although we did not provide a lot of helpful information, (laughs) if I remember correctly, (laughs) but if we had helpful information, (laughs) we would be doing you all a disservice by not sharing. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So it's, yeah. Speaking of which, what you're making me think of is like, the um the number one this goes back to some studies like four years ago or something that I read that like <clears throat> the number one reason that women don't exercise did I say this last time is because of like breast size and pain for bouncing why women don't run I think hmm. that's what it was hmm. um I, I might have said this last time so sorry listeners if this is a repeat but like I actually think that's really shocking and interesting one that like I'm guessing I'm not really plugged into the bra industry but I'm guessing that things are changing and that there are a number of people doing like R and D around bra design, um, for large breasted women. Um, but it's like, that's a real thing. If people are not being active because they're in pain, because they don't have the proper clothing, like I'm feeling like I had this rant last week. Okay, folks, you've heard the rant again. (laughs) No, but it, it is, it is sad because most of us listening to the podcast or speaking on the podcast, have gotten a lot of joy and fulfillment out of being athletes. Mm. And we want other people to be able to benefit from that. Yeah. Now, what, what would your guess have been for women? Why, what keeps them back? I would have thought it would be a little bit more, um, what do you call it? Like intrinsic, like in the air, cultural than that. Like would be hmm. things like, um, being told that sport isn't a place for them or like that, that, that like, I don't know how you would quantify that in a study. Right. So it may be that like, mm. it's like breast size is something quantifiable that you can talk about in a study. Um, it's hard to say all the ways in which um, girls and women might feel discouraged from joining sport in the first place um, or yeah. from continuing with sport after a certain age. And we do know that there, like there are studies around puberty and how girls who like, Girls who have a later puberty are more likely to become an elite athlete. Have you heard this one? Hmm. Um, and it's no. because they like they end up staying in they end up staying in sport longer during childhood because they don't hit that like awkward phase where they stop improving and coaches don't know how to treat them and talk to them, um, and they they actually keep improving like kids do. Um, and so then they hit that phase later, and so they're like they're more likely to stay actually stay in the sport. Um, Hmm. which is like super interesting um especially to me as a mom who has a 10 year old who's like 16 <laughs> well the, but she never has really been into sport that's true <laughs> we're not we're not worried about her becoming an elite athlete that's off the cards <laughs> you never know you never know i'm not gonna totally call it just saying <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it probably not, probably not. If there hasn't been ton of interest expressed yet, yeah, you never true, know. true. I remember um, on Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. Have you ever listened to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, him talking about like elite, ex-elite athletes as parents, and how like the parents who are pushing their kids, who are like jumping up and down alongside the, the side of the pitch. Do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, and they're like shouting and like. They're hoping that their kids are going to play out their unfulfilled sporting dreams, you know, but the, the people who were, who actually were elite athletes who maybe made their goals, went to the Olympic games, et cetera, et cetera, are like the ones that are like asleep at the side of the field. <laughs> and then like when the kid's done, they're like, did you have fun? <laughs> yep. Okay. We're good. And I, like, I just always remember that story. Um, yeah. I, I always think of um, Taylor Finney who was, he recently retired one of the best young uh u.s pro cyclists mm-hmm. and his parents are connie carpenter the uh speed skater and cyclist 
and uh, Davis Finney, who is also a professional cyclist. You know, two of the best athletes in the world, and they have this very talented son. He grew up playing soccer. He didn't want to touch a bike, and there was no pressure. They couldn't care less that he did not ride a bike. Mm -hmm. He came to it himself, decided he wanted to do it, but just... That really has stuck with me where you have two parents who are so deeply shaped by sport. They're like, hands off. We'll let you figure out what you want. And yeah. he ended up being a cyclist, but not because they pushed him into it or even really cared. Uh, you know, he had the engine, um, obviously, but more importantly for when he was uh, competing, he had the interest and that was the most important yeah. thing. Yeah, totally. I'm actually a big believer in like parenting by example. Hmm. Like I think the way that you, and I think that that plays out there, like that you like, you're not pressuring your kid to do something, um, but you're setting an example because they probably were, I'm guessing now I'm just like totally guessing about these people, but <laughs> like continuing to be active throughout their yeah. lives, you know? Um, and, and so anyway, that's the parenting rule I'm going by because, <laughs> because I do, I still do like so many things. Um, well, I yeah, think it's, and I hope, I think it's always good for kids to see their parents have their own interests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it plays out in direct terms sometimes when you hear your kid, um, like repeat back to you the way that you treat them, you know? And sometimes I'm like, oh shit, I probably like, I'm being too bo like bossy quote unquote. Um, but sometimes I'm like, oh, she'll like be kind and polite. And I'm like, and I'm hearing my own words back to me. I'm like, okay. I'm sure glad I framed that like that. Um, so, so you're like, how did we get there? I have <laughs> that no was idea. my fault. We okay. started off talking about nipples. Nipples, breasts, <laughs> parenting. Um, okay, after the break, we're going to talk about what we're looking forward to. If We Were Riding is a live feisty media production. Sarah and I are truly and grossly thankful for our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Form Swim, and Orca Sportswear. Join the conversation by following us on all the socials at If We Were Riding on Instagram and Facebook, or send me a voice memo to Sarah with no H at livefeisty.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Remember that time we were ranked like number... 206 best sports podcast in the Czech Republic. Yeah, that was thanks to you. So leave us a review. We can't wait to ride with you next week. Hey, Sarah, have you seen those new form smart swim goggles? You know, the ones that have the display right on the goggle. So you can see like in real time how fast you're going and your heart rate and stuff. Yeah, I have seen them and I'm really interested because they just added a an open water feature, which is terrific because you can go from the pool to open water and still be able to have those same metrics as you swim. Yeah, I mean, knowing how fast you're going in open water in real time is um, totally amazing. So I think it's going to revolutionize swim training. Absolutely. And if they add like a, a loon detection device to it, I'm sold. Done. All right, Sarah, you gave me a little bit of a look like, I don't know what I'm looking forward to. So you better speak first. And <laughs> I'm coming up with this on the fly. I am looking forward to, within the next week, it is my dad's 70th birthday. And we're doing a virtual wine tasting with him with, and it's a surprise. Like my aunt and uncle and, you know, my siblings and everything, we're all going to come on there. I don't, I'm not going to do the oh. wine tasting. But just, yeah. I don't know. There's something that I absolutely love about this, that my aunt and uncle set this all up and he has no idea. We can't be there for him in person, but I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Um, cool. I, okay. Okay. I thought of one. Okay. It's funny because I, um, I wanted to have, like now I have, with Live Feisty, we have, five people working full-time and I can't even make 17 people on small contracts or I mean that includes you includes like anybody on like any small um and it's the first time I was like hey you know what we should do we should have like an all teams meeting <laughs> right and I reached out to a friend of mine she runs a um 
she runs a company that does like recruiting hiring for big companies and I was like hey do you know anything about like running this kind of like I want to have like a party for everybody who works with us and she was like yeah, Sarah, in business, we call that the quarterly meeting. <laughs> Most businesses do it. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought I had this great idea. We should all meet. I'm going to change business. <laughs> That's right. Such a business genius I am. Um, so, like, um, so she gave me some ideas around how to like frame it and pull it together. But anyway, we are doing that on Friday. So I'm excited, like, to have everybody in the same place. And I think it's just been, like, a lot of shit happening with people, like, not really knowing or understanding what is going on, like, besides their, you know, their part of of what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited to have everyone together and, like, be able to hear from them um, and get sort of, like, get our mission and vision kind of aligned as well, so. So I just want to know what kind of snacks there are because I know that's important. (laughs) (laughs) That's what like sitcoms tell me. (laughs) It's a BYO snack situation. Um, (laughs) Although I could probably like FedEx you snacks now if I sent them out. They'd get there by Friday. Wait, who's the head of the HR department? Who do I get to complain to? Oh, wait. Are we supposed to have an HR department? Is that a business <laughs> thing I missed, too? Like, <laughs> I would like to file a complaint. How <laughs> missed carrot sticks. Come on. Sarah, Sarah, you're hired as the head of the HR department. I'm sure you're going to do a great job. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no. No, thank you. <laughs> I would like to officially decline that position. <laughs> I will be official snack chooser. That is what okay. I would like. Okay, yeah. that sounds more like it. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, if you want to send us a voicemail, please fill Sarah's inbox at sarah at livefeisty.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And in the meantime, we hope everybody's looking forward to something over the next week. If you want to tell us about it, we always love a little message. The we messages do. today brought us so much joy. We love it more than you know because you decide what we're going to talk about on the next podcast. (laughs) So please send us a message. And if not, I'm sure next week we will find utter nonsense to just blab on about for an hour or however long this podcast was. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.